else can touch my heart like you do And I could search for all eternity, Lord And find that there is none like you Touch my heart like you do, and I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you. One more time, oh, there is none like you. touch my heart like you do, and I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find that there is none like you, and you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. And seeking you as a precious jewel, or to give up might be a
welcome you this evening. Let's speed it up just a bit and sing that song, Standing on the Promises of God. Oh, yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, yes, I'm standing, I'm standing. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, I'm standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing on the promises of Christ, my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. And yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Oh, yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. I'm standing on the promises of God. Oh, yes, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of God. Oh, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Oh, I'm standing. 
cross where I first saw the light And the burdens of my heart rolled away Cause it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day And at the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light And the burdens of my heart rolled away Cause it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Oh, at the cross, at the cross Where I first saw the light And the burdens of my heart rolled away Cause it was there by faith I received my sight And now I am happy all the day Oh, and He said God, He set me free. 
change the order up just a little bit here and let's put it in F. Let's sing that song, There is a Fountain, before we take our needs before the Lord. Oh, there's a fountain open in the house of David to you who would believe. And there are streams of grace that's flowing down from Calvary. something softly I'll have you remain standing because I just have a few requests here and at this time if I could ask uh, Brother David Stevens to come and pray over these we just want to remember Sister Connie Hughes uh, she has an unspoken request so we just want to remember her this evening I also have here that um, Emma Harwell is at home she's not feeling well and needs a touch from the Lord so if we could pray for her and also, I have Hannah Whitlock. She is not here. The Whitlocks are not here this evening. But she is having her wisdom teeth out Friday. So if we could just pray for her. I also have a prayer request here of a family friend of ours um, who is very close to Dad. Uh, his name is Scotty Jenkins, who is in the hospital right now and really needs a touch. So if you would just please remember that request for us. And Brother David, if you would come. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just counted a blessing to come into your house middle of the week, dear Lord, to be washed by the waters, dear Lord. But we just approach your throne humbly, dear Lord, bringing these petitions to you of these that are afflicted in the body, dear Lord. We just ask that you'll touch their needs, dear Lord, heal their bodies for your glory. We just ask you to be with the minister who's bringing the word tonight, dear Lord, just anoint his lips to say what you have him to say and anoint our ears to hear dear lord what we have need of we just ask you to be with us the remainder of your of this service dear lord we just give it solely into your hands we just love you and we thank you in jesus christ's name we pray amen you may have your seats 
let's sing that song. Um, I don't have any specials this evening, so let's sing that song, I Know the Master of the Wind.
Let's take it up to F this time. Now, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with
would come this evening. We'll pray over the tithes and offerings. Chris, if you would pray over them. Amen. As the minister comes this evening, let's just sing that uh, song, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was And you may be having your seats for a minute. Uh, just wanted to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as always, appreciate Brother Barry giving us the opportunity to stand before the congregation and share what God has on my heart. But before we approach the message tonight, I wanted to kind of just give you a little 
background, if I could, I appreciate all your prayers. I know I've had many prayers probably come from this church on our behalf concerning our uh, trial in the flesh, if you want to call it that. Uh, but uh, I went for a reexamination probably about three weeks ago, somewhere along that line, which I have been planning to do for a while. And uh, I still stand by God's word, by his grace, that I believe he's going to give us a complete healing. But I didn't get the exact report I wanted from the doctor, but, uh, but I still thank God for his grace, and we're still looking for good things. Uh, we went to the doctor, and when they performed the uh, ultrasound on our heart, the uh, report came back from the doctor's office that there was basically three things that they diagnosed when I was examined back in January. And uh, first was I had what was called an enlarged heart, an extremely enlarged heart. And what they explained to me is what that means is the larger your heart gets, the weaker it gets. It's like a balloon. He said if you blow a balloon up, he said once the balloon gets to a certain size beyond what it was designed to do, you start stretching the fabric of the balloon, and the balloon is actually getting weaker. It can pop. And they say, well, your heart's no different. He said you can stretch it to a point where it goes beyond what it was supposed to do. And when it does, it gets weak, so it can't fully pump when it's supposed to pump. So as a result, they said my heart was only pumping about 20 25%, 25-30%, which actually I found out is about half of what it's supposed to do. A heart doesn't pump 100%. If it did, you would die. It actually keeps about 40% of the blood in the heart for the next rhythm. And so so uh, normal would be 55 to 60. So I was about half of what it was supposed to be, maybe a little bit less than half. And so uh, they said that was primarily because of the enlarged heart. So when I went in for my examination, the doctor said, well, good news is your heart has uh, recovered quite a bit. They said it's actually pumping about normal strength now. Your heart, is, as far as the muscle, has recovered. He said, that's why you feel good. That's why you can run again. That's why you can do all these things that require energy because your heart's, your heart's functioning. I said, well, that's a blessing. He said, but the other thing is, they said that valve uh, that we had diagnosed that was leaking uh, is still leaking, and it's uh, leaking severely. And so we still want to talk about operating because we want to re- replace that valve. So I'm still standing his word. I'm believing that the same way he recovered the first part, he recovered the valve. So I'm still holding out for that by God's grace. I'm looking forward to come back and bring another report and say somewhere down the road, I don't know how. I'm putting that in the hands of God. I, he'll arrange for a test. He'll arrange for an examination. He'll arrange for some evidence of confirmation to that medical staff that the work is done. And I told my uh, several people, I said, I want it for two reasons. One, I, I want it for my mother. I said, because my mother hadn't come to that faith of Christ yet. And she still kind of looks at it as more of a religion than really a, a, a manner of life and experience. And so I really want her to see the testimony in the life of her own son. What a doctor told me, said in the 20 years of medicine, she's never seen a valve recover without surgery. And so, but then she said, it's the first time for everything. I said, that's exactly right. So I want to bring that testimony back to my mom from the doctor's report, not from I feel better or I, I'm claiming it. I really want her to know from the evidence that God has done the work. And so... So be praying about that, and we look forward one day to be able to come back and, and share that report with you. So having said all that, I'm actually, if you wouldn't mind, stand. We're going to turn to the scriptures tonight. I'm going to look at the book of St. John, chapter 2. St. John, chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading with verse 1. St. John, chapter 2, verse 1. And before we read, I'm going to... I ask you to bow before a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the grace to know who you are, to know you by your own word. 
Lord, it's one thing to know a person by another man's testimony. But, Lord, when you meet that person and you know that testimony firsthand, that's a different relationship. And, Lord, tonight you've granted us the grace to know you, not by a secondhand testimony, not by a historical account, but, God, by the living testimony of you operating our lives and seeing you keep your word in our age and know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Lord, tonight I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, first of all, that you forgive each of us of our sin, me chiefly, Lord, as I stand at this sacred desk. I'm committing myself along with these people before you tonight. I ask that you take the gift that you put in me, Lord. May you use it. May you speak by my lips to their hearts. And, Lord, may it bring forth that faith that you've ordained for this age. That be living testimonies of the word of God. Lord, it's not something that a man can do. Lord, it's only something that you can do. And we trust you tonight as we step back, Lord, and give the service into your hands. We ask your grace in all things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's look at St. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine eye was not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firstkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And the rule of the feast, and when the rule of the feast had tasted the water that had been made in wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doeth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Spow his once again. Dear Lord, once again, we thank you for your grace and thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, may you use the scripture. May you place a revelation to our heart. May we see the hidden things of God in your word. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to give you for a title tonight. My title is Coping with the Word. Coping with the Word. And before we read or go any further, I'd like to read a statement, a quote from the prophet from the message, Unbelief Does Not Hinder God. And here Brother Bramlin says, And I believe that that's what this great church of the living God has done in these last days, is to bring the people to the recognition of the living God amongst the church, see? Now, let me give you a little background, if I could, on that statement. Brother Branham actually, just in context of what he said here, is talking about John the Baptist. And he was mentioning how John the Baptist's ministry was a unique ministry and that he was there to introduce the Messiah. Other prophets had preached he was coming, but John the Baptist was not just to preach he's coming. John the Baptist had a unique ministry. John the Baptist's ministry was to declare he's already here. And so when John was preaching, he wasn't telling him a Messiah's coming. He said, there stands one amongst you whom you know not. Are you following me? He was already present, but the people weren't conscious of his presence. 
So Brother Bram says here, he says, I believe that that's what this great church of the living God has done in his last days, is to bring the people to the recognition of the living God amongst his church. Our ministry is not to tell people of a coming Messiah. Our ministry is declared that that living Messiah is with his people and able to perform the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, and that church, I like this, and that church is to come back not to a creed like the Roman dogma or something, but it's to come back to the Bible. Get back to the word. No matter what it says, just cope with the word. Not use our own thinking. Stay with the word because it's the promise of God. And so Brother Bradman is saying here that if we're going to have a testimony of a living God amongst a living church, then the only way we can do that is we've got to come back to the original word and then cope with whatever the word says. And then God will perform if we'll only do what the word says that we should do. He says, now, I want you to watch this. This is me now speaking. We've all probably heard of that word cope before. And we probably all have some understanding of what it means when somebody says coping or to cope with something. Usually that word cope is used in the context of, of some difficult situation, whether it be a financial situation, whether it be a health situation, whether it be a family situation. When something bad happens, people ask that question, well, how are they coping? Because they want to know how are they doing in the midst of their trial or situation. But... When we talk about coping, I find that whenever coping, a person comes in a situation where they have to cope, coping by itself requires that there be a change of certain things or change of uh, actions or change of attitudes in order to deal with the difficulty in the situation. Let me give you an example. If I can give you this example, just follow me for a moment. Let's say we have a, a family. There's a, a, a working husband and a working wife. Let's say they've got one child. The child's six, seven years old, somewhere there about, maybe in elementary school. And let's say the child gets a certain sickness, a certain illness, and all of a sudden the, the child can't go to school, and, and, and the child was enrolled in after-school daycare, so someplace that the child can go and be safe until the parents got off work, and when they got off work, whoever got off work first can go by and pick the child up. They had a certain routine. They had a certain schedule. Everything seemed to be working fine. But then let's say that child gets sick, and all of a sudden that child can't go to, the, to school anymore for a temporary period of time. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks, or whatever the duration is that the child is dealing with his sickness. And then all of a sudden, parents now have to make another arrangements because not only is the child not going to school, but he's not going to the after-school program either. So all of a sudden, these two parents who are used to having a certain routine, they drop the kid off to school, and the school bus takes him over to the after-school program, and the parents come to the after-school program and pick him up and bring him home. That's all changed now because why? The child is ill, and in that condition, he can't go to school. He can't go to the after-school program. And so now, all of a sudden, the parents have to cope with this situation. And by coping, what they have to do is they've got to figure out how are we going to manage this situation. What are we going to do differently now that circumstances have changed? This, this tribulation is brought upon us. It's requiring us to make some provisions. Somehow or another, we got to change something in order to cope. That's the same thing that was happening at the wedding. At the wedding, they were serving the guests. They were having refreshments. And when all of a sudden the wine ran out, how were they going to cope? What are you going to do? The marriage is still going on. The night is still young. Our guests are looking for refreshments and we're out of wine. What are we going to do? Well, the only thing you can do is you got to find some provision, some way to adjust for the new situation. And Mary told them, whatever you do, go to Jesus. Not only go to Jesus, but this is this. I love this. She said, but whatever he says, do it. Now, I want you to understand my title tonight is coping with the word. 
Why is it so profound of what Mary said was she didn't say that ask him what he wants and then see if you can do it. She didn't say ask him what he wants and then think about it if you want to do it. She said go and talk to him and whatever he says, do it. Are you following me? In other words, you're agreeing to the terms and conditions before you even read the contract. You're agreeing that whatever he says is going to be the right answer. And because I know it's the right answer and I know who it's coming from, I'm willing to be obedient and receive the answer even before the answer comes. Are you following me? That's being able to cope with the word. I'm not going to say, Lord, depending upon what you say, I'm going to try. Depending on what you say, I'm going to do it. Irregardless of whatever it is, if, Lord, if you're speaking this word concerning me, then let there be something in my heart. Irregardless of whatever it is, let me want to do it. Now, I want you to watch this. These parents have to make some adjustments. These adjustments are changes, and they're called coping. Now, I want to give you the definition of what that word cope means. Now, Again, I know we have some idea of what it means in terms of how it's commonly used. But when God began to deal with me about this word, I got the thought from Brother Brandon talked about coping with the word. And I said, well, I know what cope means, but let me look it up to see if I, maybe there's something more to it I don't understand. And as I begin to look at the definitions, I realized there's more to that word than I realized. It's more than just saying, how are you dealing with a bad situation? But let me give you just a couple. There's three definitions because there's more than three. But let me give you three of the definitions that stood out to me. I want to look at the word cope. The first one was to meet in combat. I never thought about coping as combat. Are you following me? The second one was to shape one object to conform to the shape of another. I didn't know anything about that, but now some of you are in the carpentry or some of you are in the woodworking. You probably understand what that means because there's a technique in woodwork called coping when one piece of wood has to be shaped to fit another piece of wood. I didn't realize that. One object has to be shaped to fit a second object. And the last one is the one we most commonly deal with is coping means to deal with or attempt to overcome problems or difficulties. How are you coping with your stress? How are you coping with your financial troubles? We're used to that term cope, but the other two are just as important. First, you've got to meet something in combat, something that wasn't perhaps anticipated that came in opposition to something. Secondly, once you meet it in combat, how are you changing? How do you adjust? You just can't go in the same rule line, the same straight line. When something comes in the way, you got to meander. You got to adjust. You got to know how am I going to move to react? Why are you reacting? Because I've got to overcome what I just made in combat, and the only way I'm going to overcome it is dependent upon how I react to it. Are you following me? If I react the right way, I overcome it. If I react the wrong way, there could be problems. Are you following me? So let me show you this: we face problems daily. We face tribulations daily, things we have to cope with. But what I want to talk about tonight is how do we adjust? How do we cope when our trouble or our challenge is coming from the word? It's not coming from your finances. It's not coming from your family life. It's not coming from religious life. Are you following me? But when all of a sudden, when the challenge that's presented to you is coming directly from God's word, how do you cope with the word when the word is the thing that's bringing the challenge? Let me keep reading and give you some idea where I'm going here. Let me give you an example that's in the Bible. There's a woman one time, she was a Greek woman, and the Bible refers to her as a Syrophoenician. She wasn't a Jew, she was a Gentile. And she had something that God had placed in her, even not being a Jew, there was something in her that gave her the ability to cope with the word when the word became a challenge. If you turn to the book of St. Mark, chapter 7, I'd like to read it to you. And I want you just to follow me. This is a little illustration, if I could, about what it means to cope with the word. 
Mark 7.25 says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, she heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now, I want you to see her problem. She had a young daughter that had an unclean spirit. And she was trying to cope with this family problem of her young daughter who had fallen ill. But the Bible says she heard of him. So the way she was going to cope with her problem was she was going to go to the one who she believed had the ability to remedy her problem. Are you following me? And so she came to him and she did what every person should do when they come in the presence of Christ. She did the right thing. The Bible says she fell at his feet. Now I want you to watch here. There was two things that was motivating this woman. The first thing that motivated her was the love for her daughter. She had a daughter that had become ill, and the love of her daughter said, I can't just sit here and watch my daughter suffer. As a mother, I've got to do something. Some way or another, I've got to cope with this situation in my home for the benefit of my daughter. Then the second thing the Bible says was she heard of him. So she took what she had with love for her daughter and then she mixed that love for her daughter with faith in him because what she heard about him was he had healed other children. He had healed other people. And if he could heal them, then guess what? He could heal my child also. She was just like that woman down in Mexico, Brother Bram talked about, that brought that little baby. He said no matter what the usher tried to do, they could not keep her off the platform. Why? She could not speak English. She knew nothing about the message of the hour. All she knew was rosary beads and Catholicism. But she said there's a man in Mexico that's been praying for six people and bringing health back to those six people. And if my baby's dead, if I can get to this man, I can cope with my problem. Why? Because he can give me my baby back. The same situation with Syrophoenician woman. She had a sick child and she heard about him. She didn't know anything about Jews' religion. She didn't know anything about offering limes and sacrifices. But she had heard there's a man in town that's providing healing and I'm going to get to him because my baby is sick. Now I want you to watch this. All she had was two things, love for a child and a little testimony she heard about him. And the Bible said, and the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Now, I want you to watch this. Turn to Matthew, if you would, chapter 15, because Matthew is going to give us a little bit different picture of what's happening here. This woman is coming to Jesus because she's grieved. Just like that woman in Mexico, she's grieved. And she heard that he had powers to cast out devils. She heard he had power to raise the dead. She had heard about these things about him. She had heard of him. And after all this searching, she finally now found him. He's in a city. He's holding a meeting. And she's actually got the prayer request on her heart. She couldn't bring her sick daughter, but she's brought the prayer request. She's got a prayer card. And she said, I'm expecting that my daughter is going to be healed. Now, I want you to watch how she had to deal with the word. Matthew 15 says, verse 21, Then Jesus went, went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. Now, this is the same situation. Matthew has given us a little bit more detail, but I want you to watch what's happening here. She come to him crying because she's got a problem, and we already know what the problem is. It's her daughter who's grievously ill with a devil. Now, I want you to watch this. She's a Gentile. She's not a Jew. She doesn't understand doctrine. She doesn't understand conduct, order, and doctrine. 
So as a Gentile, she's making the first mistake was she's approaching him. She says, thou son of David. Why is she saying son of David? Because she heard. Are you following me? She heard the Jews talking about him. He's a healer. Who's a healer? The son of David is with us. So she's just going by what she heard, even though it might not be doctrinally right. Something in her heart say, he's the man. Are you following me? And I want you to watch this. And cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Can you imagine her cry after all this time to finally found her, found him, excuse me, and tell him of her sick child. But watch what the Bible says happened next. But he answered her not a word. You come to the meeting. You want to get something great from God. And all of a sudden, it seems like the minister's not even paying you any attention. Maybe, maybe, maybe the ushers don't really pay you any attention. And you're trying to find somebody that, that can help you or pray for you. And you seem like somehow or another in the midst of these people, your situation is being overlooked. Are you following me? I want you to watch this woman and watch how she responds. Here's Jesus seemingly ignoring her. She's crying out saying, son of David, my daughter's sick. And the Bible said he doesn't even turn his head. He doesn't even ask her a word. But I want you to watch this. What a disappointment. I want you to watch what's happening here. But he answered her not a word. Now, what about his disciples? Watch how they misinterpreted his response. And his disciples came and saw him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. Even the disciples seems to be wanting to put her away because if Jesus is ignoring her, he's not even giving her the time of day. The disciples saying this, she's not even a Jew. While we're dealing with this, let's go ahead and put her away. Why? Because they're misinterpreting the word. Jesus' silence is not because he's ignoring her. He will never ignore you. If you got a problem, if you come to Christ, let me give you one piece of advice. He will never ignore you. If you got a desperate cry in your heart, Brother Brown said he will always come and answer a desperate cry. But he's doing something that she doesn't know what he's doing, and he's doing something that his disciples don't know what he's doing, but he knows exactly what he's doing. He's now coaching her to bring her, I'm going to give you what you want, but you're going to come and cope with the words. Are you following me? So the first thing he does was he's ignoring her, testing her faith. Now I want you to watch the disciples. They said, let's put her away. Why? If he's going to ignore her, let's just go ahead and end the problem. Let's get rid of her. But Jesus wasn't ignoring her. Watch this. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now he's telling her, I'm not even for you. First I ignore you, but then when I turn and speak to her, he's telling her, you're not even the lost sheep of Israel. I'm not coming to Greeks. I'm not coming to South Phoenicians. I come to the Jews. That's a second blow. But watch verse 25. Then came she and worshiped, saying, Lord. Brother Bram said, now she's getting in the right channel. She's not saying son of David now. She's saying Lord, because he's Lord of all of the quick and the dead. He's Lord of everybody. Now she's moving to the right channel. But you think that's going to get her results that she's looking for? Watch what happens. But he answered and said unto her, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Now she's coming to the right channel and she still gets rebuffed. Are you following me? Where is her challenge coming from? It's not coming from the Pharisees. It's not coming from the Sadducees. Her challenge is coping with the word. But her faith and love brought her to the word and her faith and love is going to bring results. But she's got to be patient and come by the word the way the word wants her to come. 
And then the word will deal with her the way the word wants to deal with her. But it shows her character is what I'm getting at. It shows the character of this woman, even though the word seems to be rebuking her, rebuking her in a sense. She's still willing to stay there. Why? She knows he's got the answer to her problem. Watch this. It gets kind of embarrassing now. He refers to her as a Gentile dog. But watch her response. Does she get angry? Does she say, if that's the way y'all conduct y'all church, I'm, I'm leaving. I, I go find another church. Y'all in the only game in town. Are you following me? Watch how she responds. She doesn't get angry, but she responds the right way by coping with the word. Verse 27 says, and she said, truth, Lord. Because what he said was not off the word. He was not sent to the Gentiles, but he was sent at his first coming to the lost sheep of Israel. He was quoting the word, but even though the word offended her, she didn't turn away. She said, Lord, that ain't nothing but the truth. The Bible says, blessed is he, whosoever is what? Not whoever offended in me. Sometimes the truth hurts, but if it's the truth, the believer says, amen, nonetheless. Because why? You know it's the word. And whatever he says has to be right because you know who's doing the speaking. Let me keep going. And she said, truth, Lord. But watch how she responds. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. That's the way we should cope with the word. Never be offended by it. Analyze it first to see if it's truth. Then know that it came from God. Then know God is dealing with you. And then no matter what it says, you cope with it. You adjust. You don't try to adjust the word now. You don't say, well, if the word says be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I was raised father of the Holy Ghost. Well, now it's time to cope. Because you may have been raised the wrong way. So now when you find a word is saying it this way, you don't try to bring the word to your situation. You have to be willing to make your change to what? Cope with the word. That's what she's demonstrating here. She's got the right character that when the word is coming against what she thought, when it's coming against what she believed, she's willing to make the change. Are you following me? To line up with the word. And that's what the bride is a different kind of a person. She's not trying to change the word. She's not trying to change the scriptures. She's not even trying to change the message. She's listening for God. God's voice and as God is speaking to her she's making the adjustments to do what cope with the word and the coping is not easy the coping is painful she had to be bravish she had to be rebuked she had to be ignored but she hung in there until she got what she was looking for now I want you to watch this brother Bram said to God is evil age he said what would God call the people out of this evil age for for his name now, I want you to watch what, what Brother Bram is saying here. Why would God put his people through such trials? Why would God make the word so that it would rebuke you at times? It will bless you at times. It will encourage you at times. It will lift you up at times. But it will also rebuke you at times. The Bible said, whom he loved, he what? Chasteneth. Chasteneth don't mean he's beating you. Chasteneth, Brother Bam said, means it's a word of correction with the intent that the hearer will make necessary changes. Are you following me? Why would God use that? Why would he put that as a part of his economy? Why would he choose a bride to have to suffer and endure such things? Watch what he says. He said, the reason is to try her, his bride, when she is made manifest, been tried, been proven to Satan. 
Like at the beginning, so will it be at the end. The same way God brought the word to Adam and Eve to try them, Brother Bram said, even in this church age, when he's dealing with a Gentile bride, God is still bringing you and I his word for a reason. It's to try us and to prove to Satan you're a different kind of people. Let me keep reading. God is evil age. We find now this evil age is to prove to Satan she is not like Eve, that she is not that type of a woman and she will be tried by his word. God is sending his word to try you because he's using you as a way, as a standard that he's raising up in his age to show to Satan and to show to the generation. There is a people that can live by the word. Even when the word goes against their own thinking, yet they're still willing to humble themselves in hand and right at the mighty hand of God and his word. Let me keep reading. And she will be tried by his word, the bride. As Adam Bride was tried by the word, and as Adam Bride believed every bit of the word, all but was confused on one promise that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, today, see, but fell on one promise under the temptation of the enemy face to face. And now the people that's called for his name, that's you and I, of course, is his bride. She is to come in contact again by the same thing, not by just denominational truth or something, but by every word. We're being tried by the full word of God. Now, let's go back to this side for this woman for a minute. Verse 28. Watch how after she withstood the test, she received the reward of her faith. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very same hour. After she was willing to endure the word and cope with everything that others thought was him ignoring her, him wanting to cast her away, him not wanting to give her what she wanted. When everybody else misinterpreted Jesus' actions, he was actually trying her, trying her faith. And as she was willing to cope with the word, despite what looked to be a rejection of the word, she was able to hang in there until the word finally acknowledged her and said, great is thy faith. You have exactly what you asked for. Why? Because she was willing to cope with the word. Let me keep on going here for a minute. Let me read a prophet's testimony to you, a, a testimony from his own life to show you how the prophet had to cope with the word. In the message of the cruelty of sin and the penalty that it cost to rid our lives from sin, Brother Brown said, let the world do whatever they want to. Let the theologians do whatever they want to. I don't want their theology. What I want is Jesus Christ in my heart. Let me die with the lamb. One of the keys to coping with the word is there's got to be a, a willingness for self-sacrifice. Brother Bram said, let me die with the lamb. He said, oh, I know how hard it was that night when I walked in that little colored mission out there. And all the white folks standing around there said, there, go, there he goes into that colored mission. He said, it was hard. He said, I walked up there with a whole lot of, listen, walked up there with a whole lot of Kentucky pride in me like that. But God said, if you want it, go right on in there. When Brother Brown received the Holy Ghost, he received it in a black church, what he referred to as a colored mission. And he said, at that time, 
He was raised around an atmosphere where there was a lot of racism and prejudice. You know what, what, what it was like in the South at that time. And here God is, God's testing his prophet the same way he tested that South and Eastern woman. He said, you want something from the word? He said, well, I'm going to see how bad do you want it. He said, if you want the Holy Ghost, it's in that black color mention. And Brother Brown, so he looked at that door and he was standing there with his white friends. He knew what it was going to cost him to walk in that door. He said, there was a long lady he had been dating. He called her his little sweetheart. And she said, Bill, if you go in that church, don't you ever speak to me again. But now he's on a, on a line. The word is saying go, and his mind is saying this, but do I have to go that way? Can I receive it at this church? Can I receive it at home my prayer closet? God said, if you want it, it's in there. And when he was willing to cope with the word, he went in a, 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 a Baptist and came out with a Pentecostal experience. Why? He was willing to cope with the word. Are you following me? Now, remember our text. Our text said in St. John chapter 2, verse 5, his mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. We as humans have a tendency to think too much, to reason too much, to try to figure out the pros and the cons, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs. The key thing is not to figure it out. The key thing is to have one thing, a clear cut revelation. Was it God speaking to you or was it a man? Was it the Holy Ghost speaking to your heart or was it your imagination? But once you sell on the fact, this is God speaking to me. Now the only thing that remains is like that South Phoenician woman. The only thing that remains is like a brother Banner. Once you know it's God, now it's up to you. Are you willing to sacrifice to cope with the word? Amen. Brother Banner says, and I walked in there that and, and felt I walked in there and knelt down at that altar. And there I stayed until the lamb. I died to old self. Bill Branham, 20 years ago, hallelujah. I was crucified with Christ, yet I live, not me, but Christ liveth in me. How did he get there? Self-sacrifice, by willing to die to himself in order to bear with the word. Now, once you see, I hope you can begin to see coping for a minute here. Now, let's see how Christ handled the same thing. If you turn me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, let's look at how God had to cope with his own word. God had to cope with his own word. God would not put anything on you, Brother Bram said, that he wasn't willing to do himself. When God, when he came to earth, he came to earth not only as the Holy Spirit, but Brother Bram said, God prepared a body in Jesus Christ that he might tabernacle himself in his fullness. He said that God might taste sin for all men. He said, as a spirit, God could not die. As a spirit, he could not taste sin. He said, in the prophets, he said, God could manifest himself in the prophets, but he couldn't taste sin in the prophets. Why? He said, because the prophets only had a portion. He said, but when he came in the fullness of Christ, he said that in Christ was willing to bear the sins of the world. He said, God was able to bear your sins in Christ. Are you following me? And take away your sins into a place so you and I never have to face the depths of hell that he went to. You and I are made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. But God had to be willing in that form when he came down as a man. He had to be willing, listen, to cope with his own word. In Matthew 26, 36, it says this. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, 
Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. Here we've got two wills competing here in the garden. We got the will of a man, Jesus Christ, who's asking the father, is it possible that I might be able to go a different way or go a different time? Is it possible that this cup might be able to pass by me? But he understands this. As the word, I'm here for one reason, to do God's will. And to do God's will, I must be willing to cope with the word. So even though as a man, he's praying in the garden, Lord, is there another way? Yet not my will, but what? Thine will be done. Now watch this. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could ye not watch in thee one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cup may not pass, may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. He's praying the same petition again. He's asking, is there another way that this cup might pass by except I drink it? Because as the flesh, I want you to understand, we're going to read in a minute, I want you to see what he's going through in the flesh as he's praying his prayer. The human body suffers a lot of time under certain requirements of the word, but God doesn't do it to make you suffer in a sense. But God is doing it in order to build a character in you. And Brother Bam said character is not built without suffering. Are you following me? So God allowed this program that you're going to come in conflict with certain things at certain times that you may not want to do. You may not think it's the best thing for you to do. But the word is saying, do it anyhow. Why? God is building in you a character that he's going to make you fit to rule one day as you reign with him on the throne throughout eternity. But in order to be able to rule on that throne, you've got to be fit with the right character. And the only way you'll be fit with that character is by coping with the word. He's not punishing you, but he's preparing you. I want you to watch this. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing, the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now, I want you to watch how St. Luke covers this same situation. St. Luke 22, verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, Matthew doesn't talk about this angelic visit. But why would God need to send an angel to Christ as he's praying? The Bible told us plainly to strengthen him because the battle he was facing was so hard on the man. It was so hard on the flesh. God sent a comforter to Christ to strengthen him in the hour of his affliction. Are you following me? That's how strong this affliction was. That's how strong this temptation was. That's how strong this battle was. God sent him help to time of, in the time of battle. Why? Because it was of an essence that he coped with the word and overcome in his battle. And the same as with you and I. When you need help from God, don't think you're alone. But there's always an angel nearby somewhere to give you help if you're only willing just to stay there and cope with the word. But coping didn't make it easy. The angels made it bearable that he was able to overcome. Now watch this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were drops, great drops of blood 
falling to the ground. Brother Branham, I think, talked about this, and I've heard theologians talk about it. I don't know the technical term. But it's when the body comes to a certain stress level, and it's rare that humans ever get to that stress level. When your body comes to a certain stress level because of trying to deal with a combat, something that's come upon you, you're trying to cope with it. And the stress level gets so high, your blood literally begins to separate in your body. And the blood becomes so thin in this separation process, it literally can sweat out your pores. It's making it through your veins now. It's making it through your pores. That's what he was going through. Why are you covering this, Brother Mike? I want to show you how much stress he had to bear just to cope with his own word. Because the word said he had to go that way. The word said he had to go at that time. The word had already prophesied it, and the word could not be changed. And even though he prayed and said, if there be another way, and he prayed the same prayer three times, there was no other way. He had to go that way. Why? The word has said so. And he's agonizing as he's a man coming under the pressure because he's what? He's coping with his own word. And if he could go through that to cope with his word, how much you and I, if we're willing to receive the Holy Ghost, how much more God in you can help you cope with the word? Let me keep going. He was suffering because he was having as a man to cope with the word. And the message of paradox. Watch how Brother Brown describes this. This coping is a submission of self-will. Not my will. But thine will. I see what's ahead of me. I see if I continue down this path, what it's going to cost me. Brother Bam says sometimes following Christ will cost you friends. Sometimes following the word will cost you your job. He says sometimes following the word will even cost you your family. But he is not willing to forsake father, to forsake mother, to forsake brother or sister or husband or wife. It's not what? Worthy of me. No matter what the cost, we're to take up our cross and what? Follow him. I want you to see the simplicity I'm bringing to you tonight. The race is not given to the swift. It's not given to the strong. It's not given to the one who can preach the greatest. It's not singing to the one, given to the one who can sing the most angelic songs. It's not given to the one who knows the most knowledge of the message. But it's given to he that's able to what? Endure with the word until the end. Because the road is getting narrow. The pressure is getting harder. The trials are getting harder. But there is a bride that has the goods. And it's not you keeping yourself. But I want you to see by Brother Brown's testimony. It's God keeping you. But all he's asking from you is a willingness to self-sacrifice. Be willing to let yourself go and let God's will be done. In the message paradox, he said, we still find this among human beings. We're prone to be that way. There is something that we've got to do. We feel that there's something that we have something in it also. Brother Brown said you do have something in it. That's your surrender of your own will and your own ideas to the will and ideas of Almighty God. And it's finished. Once you want to say not my will, but thine will be done and allow God to move in you and move your being in the direction of his word. Brother Bram said it's finished. Why? At that point, now the Holy Ghost takes over. It's no longer you, but it's God living, moving in your being. But why do we see so little of that? Because there's so few that's willing to go with God that far to let go of everything. We usually as people want to hold on to a little bit. 
We see that in the Exodus with Moses. God said, destroy everything. And he said, and I'll prosper you. But Achan said, can I hold on to a little bit? And what did he do? He held the move of God because he just wanted to hold on to a little bit of gold and a little bit of the world, a little bit of raiment. Are you following me? He didn't want to just let go and destroy everything. He wanted to hold on to a little bit, but that little bit was enough to cause 16 innocent men to die. Are you following me? God is just showing you. There's a people that's got something in them that's crying for more God. There's a people that's got something in them that's not satisfied where they are. There's a group of people that realize somewhere there's more God for me to experience. And God is saying this, the more you can let go of your ideas, the more you can let go of this world, the more you can turn back to the word and just cope with what it says do, you'll find more power of God. Amen. Let me keep going. Brother Bram said, surrender your own will, your own ideas to the will and ideas of Almighty God, and it's finished. That's all. There it is. Just take his promise. Don't think of nothing else. Walk by it, and God does the rest of it. Let me read one more to you out of the message communion. Watch what Brother Bram says out of the message communion. And this is 1957 communion. He preached communion twice, but this is 1957. But in that great critical hour, until he suffered, speaking of Christ, knowing all things, but the water and the blood separated in his body and great drops of sweat like blood dropped from his brow, he died more a death in Gethsemane than he did on the cross. Christ was dying to his own will. His flesh died on the cross, but in Gethsemane, he was dying to his own will. Are you following me? He was not sinner. He was not sinning. God is just illustrating. There is a will of man, and then there's a will of God. And whenever the will of man doesn't line up with the will of God, the will of man has to give way and cope that the will of God can be done. Are you following me? Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Because I don't want to keep you here all night, but I want to make this point. He was demonstrating the greatest testimony of, of obedience. He was doing the same thing that the Syrophoenician woman did. He was willing to serve God because of faith and love. That Syrophoenician woman loved her daughter so much that when she heard about Jesus, it, Brother Bram said, it pushed her faith out. Amen. That love for her daughter, and when she heard about the word, it pushed her faith out. Now, I want you to watch this for a moment. I want you to watch here what Brother Bram says. I'll read that quote to you in a minute. Let me read the scripture first. There's two things that you'll have to have to cope with all the word. First one is love, and the second one is faith. Let me read the chapter book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. For in, Christ, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh. By love. Notice what comes first. Not the faith. The faith is being controlled by something. Faith that's working by what? Love. Let's watch what Brother Bram says in the message Jesus Christ is saying yesterday and forever. In the 20 years of research of the Bible and talking with the angels of the Lord and many things, I find there's two things that is love and faith. If you love God, 
just purely unadulterated love, you've got to have faith in him. It'll accompany faith every time. If you love God, there's no way not to have faith in him. Because the love is going to materialize that faith. I want you to watch this. And when love and faith gets married, you ask whatever you want to and you shall have it. Why? Because your love for him will not allow you to ask for anything that's outside of his word. And if you've got that kind of love for God where his word comes first, it produces a faith in you where you can ask whatever you will and God will honor it. Watch what Jesus Christ said. St. John chapter 14 verse 15. If ye love me, first part, then have faith to keep my commandments. If ye love me, then keep my commandments. Don't pursue the law first. You'll frustrate yourself. Because you're all going to fall short. I'm going to fall short. Brother Bram said, I make thousands of mistakes a month. And if I live another month, Brother Bram said, I'll make a thousand more. Why? As a man, we're subject to mistakes. God is not looking for perfection in the flesh, but God is looking for a perfect heart that's willing to submit itself to the word and to the word only. And Brother Bram said, and when you do that and you make your mistakes, God puts the rest of it under the blood. Are you following me? So we're not preaching perfection of flesh, but we're saying is there's got to be a heart that loves him in such a way that your desire is to serve him first. And when you make your mistakes, God takes care of the rest. Let me keep going. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 13. For whether we beside ourselves, it is to God or whether we be sober, it is to for your cause. But Paul says, but the love of Christ. The love of the word constraineth us. Not so much just the faith of the word, but the love of the word. You serve him because you love him. What causes the disconnect? What causes such a great problem? Because there's not enough love of God amongst the people. The Bible said in the last day, the love of many shall do what? Wax cold. Because of iniquity, the love of many shall what? Wax cold. Knowing what to do is not the secret per se. But having a heart to want to do it is far more important. God loves a what? Cheerful giver. We can do all the right things, but if our heart isn't in it. I want you to see where I'm coming from tonight. We can do all the right things. But if love isn't what's driving it, Paul said, if I give my body to be burned and I have not faith. If I give my body to feed the poor and I have not faith. If I give my body for the poor and have not charity. If that's not what's moving me to do what I'm doing, there's a key ingredient that's missing. And what's missing to Brother Mike? I'm praying daily, God, fill me with your love. Don't let me preach that I got a sermon. Don't let me preach that I got a good idea. Let me have a love in my heart for you, Lord, and a love in my heart for the people I'm talking to, to tell them what they need to hear, that they might get ready to get out of here, because the doors are closing. We've got to have a deeper love for God, a deeper love for the word. And if you've got a love for God and a love for the word, you will have love for your fellow man. How can we say we love God and not love the brother that's backsliding in sin? 
Love is what's driving this thing. What brought Christ to Gethsemane in the first place? God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That's what brought him to the garden. And love carried him through the garden. And love took him into heaven. And love is bringing him back to the church. And that same love that he's got. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, guess what you got in you tonight? You've got the same. It's not a different love. It's the same love. Are you following me? But we're trying to do the works and bypass the love. It ain't going to work. That makes us a rich young ruler. We look good on the outside. Everybody say, my, that's a fine brother, a wonderful preacher, and don't have the love. At the end, it'll show up. I want to pass that test. I don't want to pass a test in front of the congregation. I want to pass my test in front of him. I'm going to look down at me and say, there's a man that's got my love living in him. And my love is constraining him. When the word gets hard and he wants to buckle down the flesh, say, I can't take it no more. Something rises up and say, just keep pressing, son. Just keep pressing, son. Cope with it. There's a, there's a light in the tunnel. Cope with it, son. It won't always be this hard. Christ had to actually get through Gethsemane. And then when he came out, Brother Bram said he was victorious before he ever went to the cross. Because he came through Gethsemane. Are you following me? Let me read a little bit more to you. I'm going to let you go. I want you to watch this. In the message of communion. Watch another testimony of how the prophet had to cope with the word. Brother Bram says, and I looked up. And as you all know, I've always been subject to visions. It seemed like a black sheet began to unfold. He's talking about the flood that happened, I believe it was 1937, if I got a year right. And his wife was sick, and his little baby Sharon Rose was sick. Are you following me? And he's about to lose both of them. And Brother Brown is talking like that South Nation woman now. He's praying to God, don't let this happen. His prophet, messenger of the age, is crying to God, Father, don't let this happen. Watch what happens. It seemed like a black sheet began to unfold coming down as if God took my prayer and throwed it right back in my face. He's not coping with just losing his wife. That was hard. He's not even just coping with losing his daughter. That might have been even more difficult. But now he's having to cope with the word. He's crying out to the word and Brother Brown saying, let the word just threw my prayer right back in my face. Do you imagine what that do to a man? The only hope you got, the only source you got, the one you've been serving for years, and you're crying to him, he throws it back. You see what, how it is to cope? Watch this. And I said, what have I done? What have I done, God? Have I transgressed your laws that I should, not, that I should have this punishment? If it is, you reveal it to me and I'll repent. I'll do anything, but don't take my baby. And I seen she was going anyhow. He said, I'm willing to do anything. But he was willing to do anything for his will. His desire. His baby. But the question is, are you willing to stay with me even if I don't give you your will? And, I, and you ask me your will and you got a right to ask it, but we ask your will. I say no. Are you still willing to serve me? Paul asked three times, Lord, give me back my sight. Lord, give me back my sight. And God said, no, Paul. My grace is what? Sufficient. 
I put the Satan as a buffer for a reason. Your mind is not like my mind. Your thoughts are not like my thoughts. If everything came your way, it will be humanly. But I'm looking at eternity. And I'm making my decisions based upon what I see coming ahead. And that relationship was starting to interfere with the worldwide ministry of a seventh angel messenger. And God said, I've got to remove that. He was looking at a wife and a baby. God was looking at a seventh church age messenger. Do you see the difference? Sometimes when God doesn't give us what we want, sometimes when things are not going where we think we should, don't think something's wrong. Don't think something's out of cater. God is moving things around, and sometimes it seems painful on the flesh. Sometimes they don't cope with our thinking. But if we're only willing to look at the word and take what the word says, you'll find out in the end it all works out just right. If you're a believer. Brother Brown said, I've seen she was going anyhow. I raised up, and then the tempter, listen, the tempter came to me. There was the one, there was the one time in my life that I can call was the most critical moment. Brother Brown said, it was my Gethsemane. When I just barely holding on to the bed, the devil said, there you are. That's the reward for your trying to serve him. You mean that he'll take your young 22-year-old mother and take your young as a young corpse in the morgue and then take your precious baby, your own flesh and blood, and slam your prayer right back in your face? And then you mean to say that you'll still serve him? When the word was his test, when the word was the one challenging him, how would he cope with that? Are you following me? Watch what he says. I was standing between an opinion. It had to be decided. Then I pulled my hand over my little, over her little head. I said, Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then I felt relief. He was agonizing. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Just like Jesus. Lord, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. But when he said, that will be done, he felt released. Why? The conflict was over. The coping, the conflict was over. Now he's willing to accept the word. Now he's willing to accept God's will. And the conflict in his body was over. Now all he has to do is now walk the steps. But as long as we're trying to hold on to part of what we think is right, part of what we think it should be this way, it makes sense, don't it? Don't it make sense? He's going to give me my baby, my wife back. It makes sense, don't it? But God says, there's a greater vision. I already see the stumbling block. I'm only removing it. But watch what the prophet said. I said, Sharon, honey, daddy can't go where you are now. But daddy can come someday. I lay you on your arm of your mother and bury you. But daddy will see you again someday. He wasn't losing. He didn't lose a thing. He only had a revelation. God's word is always right. God's will is always right. And Sharon, if God wants to take you now, daddy's willing to let you go. The battle's over. But guess what? Daddy's going to see you again one day. Satan didn't win. This is God's hand. This ain't Satan conquering. This is God conquering me. Brother Bam, further down the same message, communion. Brother Bam says, Mr. Osler, driving his old truck, jumped out and put his arm around me. He said, I've heard you preaching on the street corner, Billy. I've seen you standing in the tabernacle. I've heard you the hymn singings, how you exalted Christ, what you said he was. Then he said, now he is taking your father, your brother, your wife, and your baby. 
said, now what does he mean to you? I said, Mr. Eisner, if he would send me to the readers of the laws, I would still love him. What was anchoring him? Not just his faith. There was something that was tied to that faith that gave that faith extra power. No matter what his mind said, there was something here that was driving him. There's no greater love. No greater love than agape love. That's God's love. And that's what that prophet had. It wasn't filial. It wasn't an emotional thing that I felt good because God's blessing me. Or I feel good because the anointing is around me. It wasn't that. It was something deeper in him that when God was able to hurt him deeply, it did not change that love one bit. You take that love and mix that with your faith. And you watch the bride go in action. But Brother Mike, how do we get that love? There's only one way. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. It's not your love. It's not a human affection. It is literally God's love. The same love that said God so loved the world. That same love of God is now resting in your mortal bosom. And some of your trials is not God mad at you. He's not punishing you. He's perfecting you. When God sent Job his trial and allowed his flesh to be taken away, the health of his flesh, allowed his money to be taken away, allowed his children away, Brother Babs said, God wasn't punishing Job. He said, God was perfecting his servant. But we've got to recognize if there's something in you that's hungering for more of God, he's going to have to prune you. The tree that's bearing the most fruit, that's the one that gets the most attention. Because why? God's making it stronger so it can bring forth more fruit. Are you following what I'm saying? But it's in those difficult times. There's got to be an anchor deeper in the soul than just what we've been taught. There's got to be an experience down here. And that experience is what's doing the holding. That experience is what's allowing us to cope. It's an anchor, the Bible said, of the soul. When a storm comes on the ship, how is that ship able to be tossed to and fro, back and forth, up and down, and that ship never loses its position? It stays right there in the harbor. How is that ship able to cope with all that wind? There's an anchor. Without that anchor, I don't care how well built that ship is, you can wave it bye-bye because in a moment, it's going out to sea. Let's make sure we got the anchor. The anchor is faith that's anchored by love. Faith and love go hand in hand. When those two things come together, it makes a man invincible. It makes that man omniscient. Brother Bram says Satan can throw everything he got in that man or that woman, and there's nothing he can do with it. Why? He's anchored in Christ. Hid so far away, Satan don't know what to do with him. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us a faith, not a mental conception of the word, but a real revelation that's able to change a human heart to transform us from what we were to what your word has ordained us to be. And Lord, and then you allow such trials to come our way 
For you said, as you suffered to enter into your throne, so did you leave a measure of suffering for your bride, that she might suffer likewise to join you in that same throne. Lord, I ask tonight that you would help us. Every head bow. Lord, may you take your word and rightly divide it to our hearts. I'm not preaching of works to the people. I hope I made it clear our works will never get us there, even with the best intentions. But Lord, it's going to take a deeper anchor, a deeper experience. And you want to make sure that every person that hears this gospel has that experience. And Lord, that experience is our keeper. It will keep us when we can't keep ourselves. Lord, I pray you bless these people. With every head bowed. If there's anybody here that have a desire from God, you hold it on your heart right now. Just meditate before God and say, Lord, you know what I'm thinking right now. And Lord, you know what's on my heart. It could be a natural problem. It could be a spiritual problem. It could be financial. It could be salvation, the question of eternal life. But raise your hands before God. Whatever your problem, raise your hands before God. And be utmost sincere. And say, God, you see my hand. I'm raising it not to Brother Mike. He's only giving instruction, but I'm raising it before you. And I'm saying, Lord, I ask tonight, may you reveal your word in my heart to make it so plain. Lord, that I'll know that it's you speaking to me. And then, God, may you give me grace by your spirit to see so real in my life that there be something in me that will lead me to cope with that word. Lord, you see the hands. God bless you. The musicians will come. If our brother will give us a song. Church, I want to say this one thing. Don't worry and don't be afraid. Just examine your heart and say, Lord, if there's anything in me that would prevent me from coping with that word, Lord, may you help me tonight remove that thing. What was in the second Thessalonians that said, led those people in the tribulation? It didn't say they didn't have the truth. It said they didn't have the love of the truth. They had the word, but they had no love wrapped with it. And what did that knowledge lead them to? Right into a tribulation. But love took a bride right into glory. Brother Bram said, nothing going to make it in that flight. But what? Perfect love. Can you give us a song, brother?
just thanking you for the word you gave us. We just want to ask now that you would go with us and that you would protect us. We ask that any need that was brought before you, you would just touch and that you would just go to those who are not with us this evening and be with them and protect them. Just forgive us of our sins, Lord, and just bring us back at the appointed time, I pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that song, Touching Jesus, as you're dismissed. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. And then your life will never be the Just be 